Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. The divisional round is set for the National Football League playoffs with several intriguing matchups available after mostly blowouts in the first wildcard round. And the NBA is seeing that some teams might need to make some changes. And by some teams, I mean our Los Angeles Lakers. But nobody circles the wagons quite like the National Football League. And after a heart-stopping end to the season in week 18 in some aspects based on different scenarios that needed to happen for teams to get into the postseason. It was a wild card weekend, mostly to forget. A lot of blowouts, a lot of chalk, not a lot of excitement, a lot of I told you so's. It's funny that we go from college football where fans and others are clamoring for expansion and wanting the postseason to be at least four more teams. Let's make it 12 just to be fun with it. And then you look at the national football league and what happened in the wild card weekend and think, do we really need seven teams now on each side? (laughs) Maybe we can whittle this down a little bit because it was ugly in a lot of aspects. And most of it was just waiting to get to the following weekend. Now we did have Dallas lose to the 49ers. That was a surprise to some people. I guess that was not to us. Dallas losing to the 49ers was really the only shock. Everything else was chalk. Everything else was handedly a win, except for the Bengals only beating the Raiders by a touchdown. Everything else went according to plan, really. And there's a lot of questions now that need to be answered for those teams that lost. But for the teams that won, as we said, it's let's look now to divisional weekend and see the exciting matchups for that. What did you take away from this edition of Wild Card Weekend with the well, additional it was dis- team? It was disappointing in terms of the, you know, the competitive level of it, especially coming off that incredibly wild weekend to end the season because there was so much at stake and teams in by the skin of their teeth, teams shockingly out. But yet we saw basically a clearance of the clutter. We saw who didn't belong and we're rid of them. Thank goodness. You know, when the, when the playoffs started, we knew Pittsburgh didn't belong there. We thought they'd get crushed. They did after a, a, a rocky first 15 or 20 minutes from the chiefs. And then you blink dry and the game was over. We rooted for the Eagles as a, as a Cinderella Somebody beat Brady story, but we both picked the Bucks easily to cover. The disappointment there was that I thought the Eagles would be competitive at least early. 
I don't remember my exact. I thought I said thirty-seven twenty or something like that. I thought I thought the Eagles would come out and compete. They never did. They never. They had a chance to do before halftime, and then an imbecilic interception. When you least had the chance to go in seventeen-three and get the ball back to set the second half, you didn't, and it was over. Not that they would have competed had it been seventeen-three, but at least there would have been something worth watching in the second half. That was not the case. Cincinnati and the Raiders was a game where you were waiting for Cincinnati to put it away, and they simply didn't. But they covered, as we both predicted. I mean, it was a weekend where, shockingly, you know, I was 6-0 and against the number. Why? Because it was pretty easy. I know we say this is impossible to do, and it usually is, but these games were relatively predictable. Did everybody think that Buffalo would destroy New England? I thought it would be more competitive than it was, but we both picked Buffalo to win in cover. I thought they'd win by a minimum couple touchdowns, and it was far more than that. New England's performance was embarrassing. And all those, you know, those who were on the Bill Belichick bandwagon for this team could go to the Super Bowl. You know what? Why not take a flyer on them in the AFC? How quickly did that end? A disappointing finish to the season down the stretch, losing to the Bills, uh, losing to the Dolphins, and then just dismantled, embarrassed, not competitive. The one game, as you touched on, that we had, uh, well, let's, the, the Rams, real quick, uh, we thought they'd win, I thought they'd cover. And it was far worse than that, as the Cardinals did not look ready to play. Uh, their quarterback, who I love, did not compete. Simply did not compete. Which left us with the one game we thought would be very competitive. The one game we thought the underdog could cover. The one game we both picked the underdog to cover. And oh, by the way, the underdog not only covered, they won leaving Jerry Jones in a quandary, leaving Cowboys fans across America pissed at the referees, pissed at their coach, pissed at their quarterback, pissed at their offensive coordinator, and in some varying degrees, rightfully so, with the exception of being pissed at the referees, who called a ton of penalties, from my angle, pretty much all of which were justified. The Cowboys were beaten up. And post-game, Jerry Jones said the most disappointed he's been in a long time that he can remember. And yet, he was not playing the blame game. He was not pointing fingers at the officials as so many others were. Why? Because I think Jerry Jones smartly and and rightfully realized his team got an old-fashioned ass-whooping. They were only in that game because of two horrendous Jimmy Garoppolo throws. If he hits Ayuk, who's wide open and maybe still running on third and long in the third quarter, it's 26 or 30 to 7 and turn off your television. The Cowboys managed to get a field goal. It's 23-10. And then Jimmy G throws another Jimmy G interception, which... He, he always seems to be wild high when he misses. It's like a pitcher who's wild high. 
Rolls out. Wide open receiver on third down. Right side. Overthrows it badly. Interception. Cowboys score. 23-17. All of a sudden, you've got a game. They have a chance to put the game away. Fourth and an inch. He doesn't wait that additional split second for his lineman to get set. The sneak and the first down gets nullified. They have to punt. And Dallas, on a wing and a prayer, literally a wing and a prayer, gets close, runs a moronic play instead of two shots to the end zone. We all know what happened. Uh, Why the boy genius offensive coordinator thought it would be wise to do that, I have no idea. Why the quarterback, the leader of your team, the $40 million man, didn't slide earlier, we'll never know. Why he somehow, someway doesn't realize he needs to take the ball and immediately get it to the official versus letting his center. Yeah, I mean, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why, when the game is over and you find out the fans weren't throwing things at you, they were throwing them at the officials, and you say, to their credit, and get only get fined $25,000 instead of $100,000. It was an immense disappointment, but it was to be expected. Because, as we talked about, the Cowboys are the 300 hitter who beats up on hideous pitching. And come crunch time against quality pitching in the postseason, can't put the ball in play. Who strikes out every time up in a big spot. They beat up on bums. They feast on tomato cans. And once again, their quarterback proved he is mediocre at best. Good guy, nice kid, says all the right things with the exception of post-game in this loss. But when push comes to shove against quality competition, he blows. And on Sunday past, his offensive line, this great offensive line with his great offensive coordinator, couldn't figure out a way to protect him against mostly a four-man rush. Five sacks, hurried, under pressure, looking antsy looking flustered, couldn't run the ball, couldn't throw the ball, couldn't protect their quarterback, dominated on both lines of scrimmage, had the ball rammed out their throat by the Niners, who out-hit them, out-played them, out-coached them, and yet somehow, some way, they still had a shot. And even when they had the chance, and rightfully so, because they in no way, shape, or form deserved to win, the better team was clearly San Francisco. They deserved to win that game. They got cheated out of a chance, a one in a thousand chance to win a game on a final play. Come right. on. Come on. Is it possible? Of course. And they got in the playoff. But instead of going twice to the end zone, or even as we've always been told, you can never run as fast as the ball can travel. Do you want to use the middle of the field? Then throw it 15 yards. It'll get there a lot quicker, and you won't have the chaos that ensued with your center looking for the official because your quarterback handed the ball to your center. What are you doing? What are you doing? Two shots. Remember, we always have the chance of the moronic, game-changing, unreviewable, hideous pass interference call. You got two shots at that. Yeah, you never see it on 
Hail Mary. But you can run something to the corner of the end zone. You can run something to the flag. You can run something at deep out, middle of the field. You might get an interference call. You got two shots at that versus one shot from the 31. 27, excuse me, was it the 27? I think it was the 27. Regardless, they never even deserved to be that close. And when they got that close, they still didn't know what the hell they did. It was the 27 and then closer to the 24 when Dak spotted the ball himself. Well, himself. <laughs> he moved it up a couple of yards, too, I'm and put it down. You, I'm surprised you didn't spot it at the two. And try to get away with that. It was so poorly done, and they played so horrific that they were incredibly fortunate to even be in that position. They were battered from the opening drive. The Niners just took it and rammed it right down their throat. And, you know, the defensive guru, the man who everybody wants as their head coach, who, of course, blew a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl, had no, no notion of how to stop them. None. They got beaten up, physically dominated, on both sides of the ball. And they're where they should be, home. And now the Niners go in to Green Bay, and we have the best matchups we could hope for. Is there any team this past weekend that you think belongs in this coming weekend? Any that you would have liked to see win? Any that you thought was better than the team that beat them? No. Not in my mind. No. These are far and away the best possible matchups we could have. We had teams that had no business even playing. And then the teams that lost the way they played for the most part looked like they had no business being in the playoffs. Right. The one you could argue is Dallas based on their record. But as you mentioned already, who are they beating playing in the NFC East? Now Dak has the same playoff record that Tony Romo had through his first six seasons. Because all they've really done, and Scott Kazmar had this on his Twitter, is a reboot. Dak is Romo. They were both injured in year five. Kellen Moore is Jason Garrett. Those wonderkind offensive coordinators. Mike McCarthy as an embattled Dallas head football coach. Those are a dime a dozen. Van Der Esch is Sean Lee. The Cooper Land, Cooper Lamb Gallup trio the same as T.O. Williams and Austin. And there's one constant through all of this. I've said this on my show. I've said this to friends that are Cowboys fans, and I'll say it until it ends. The one constant is Jerry Jones. And nothing good is going to come to the Cowboys while Jerry Jones is in power. He sold his soul to the devil to bring in Jimmy Johnson and win those Super Bowls. That's the only explanation for this. And once he fired his ass because Jimmy wanted to do normal head coaching things and Jerry said, nay, nay, I want a hand in this. And Jimmy told him to get lost. Jerry said, all right, you get lost. Well, what's happened since? They won the next year with the team Jimmy Johnson built and they haven't done a fucking thing since 1995. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror at who is still there. Jerry Jones. Nothing changes with this team. And every year it's the same song and dance. Well, we have this and we have that and maybe this and maybe that. And it never comes to fruition. So you can't argue for them too much because this is who they are. 
They're not America's team. They're hoping for America's dream, and it hasn't happened since I was five. I'm 32 years old, Al. There's poor Cowboys fans that did the same thing I did with the Yankees. Six years old, you turn on baseball, your father's a diehard Yankees fan, you fall in love with the team, they start winning World Series championships, you think you made the best decision in your life. These people start watching the Cowboys in their late 30s, rattling off Super Bowls like crazy. They're wearing the youth Super Bowl championship t-shirts around with those bobblehead faces, cartoons on them, showing up to school at the lunchboxes. This is great. Dallas, they're always on TV. Now what? (laughs) I mean, what can you say? I do think that this is probably the most talented group they've had in quite a while. And I think he was rightfully disappointed because of the experts rave about that offensive line. And that offensive line was physically dominated. The experts rave about Kellen Moore. And he had his head handed to him. And a lot of people, not me, but a lot of people rave about Dak Prescott. You brought up a very interesting point. He's now got to be considered in his prime. Who do you think is a better quarterback? Tony Romo in his prime or Dak Prescott in his prime? You'd have to give the edge to Tony Romo, I would think. Yeah, I think think Romo's just a better thrower of the football. I think Romo's – and look, Romo had plenty of warts. Romo lost a lot of big games. Uh, as Dak has, but I think Romo was a better quarterback. I, I think Romo was you know a top ten quarterback. I don't think Dak Prescott's top ten quarterback. So here we are, the best weekend of the NFL season every year bar none. Always the case in my mind. Some people love the wild card weekend. Others, their favorite weekend is that final Sunday doubleheader. For me, this is the weekend. Two doubleheaders, the teams that should be here are here. We've cleared the clutter. We've got the teams who've played the best, who belong in the playoffs, playing to go to the conference championship. My favorite NFL week. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. We're skipping a game, but since we just spoke about him and his team, Jimmy G and the 49ers, interesting as you're talking about what he means to the team and just how good he is, just look at the spread for the game. In Green Bay, who has not lost at home all season, the spread's five and a half, and you're getting three because you're at home. So they only think the 49ers are two and a half points worse than these Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I understand the talent that the 49ers have. I understand that, thankfully, they have a coach who, while he sometimes doesn't make the best of decisions, look at that Super Bowl, he's gone to the high school formula of I have one of the best athletes in the National Football League. I'm just going to give him the ball as many times as I possibly can. He's either coming out of the backfield for a pass. We're putting him back here as a running back. Hell, he could throw it too if you want him to. Debo Samuel has become the high school player. He's the best guy on the field. 
if it was high school, he'd be playing both ways. No question about it. Get him the ball, put it in his hands, let him do stuff. What a concept for an NFL coach having the talent in a position and saying, let's use this as many times as we possibly can. Now, the difference of this year's team that we've talked about in Green Bay is that they have finally acquired a defense. Their weakness is special teams. Mason Crosby had a bad stretch, but he's no stranger to the postseason. Special teams, you hope you don't have the ball bounce the other way. So I'm going to give the edge to Green Bay. This is not the game where Aaron Rodgers won't score three touchdowns to advance you to the Super Bowl. That's coming next week, should they win. I won't give him that yet, though it wouldn't put it past me. Playoff Aaron Rodgers. It's the same storybook year after year. Those MVP trophies are nice, Al, but so scoring three touchdowns. That's all. Three touchdowns. You don't even have to be the one that scores them. Hand it off to the guy standing behind you, and we'll count that one for you. It's a struggle. But it's not the NFC Championship game yet. Them being Niners home, coming in hot. Niners are hot, but... Niners coming in hot, and you have very accurately pointed out that number 19 for the Niners from South Carolina, the Gamecock, Debo Samuel, is simply a fabulous football player. That's unbelievable. He has turned into... The Shohei Otani of the NFL. He is a unicorn. Just find a way, not by by trickery, just put him here, give him the ball. Put him there, throw him the ball. Throw him the ball, let him throw the ball. The guy is an incredible player. He is a physical player. He doesn't just run sweeps. He runs be- and, and jet sweeps. He runs between the tackles. And he runs hard between the tackles. The Niner ball carriers deliver blows. The Niner receivers deliver blows. They are a physical bunch. And Debo Samuel is a magnificent. Debo Samuel and Cooper Cup for the Rams had two of the most brilliant seasons you will ever see receivers have. Samuel's receiving numbers, obviously, is off the charts because he's running the ball. He had a mind-numbing season. And he is a wonderful football player with an incredible nose for the end zone. They are alone. But what we see oftentimes in the playoffs is it's a tough physical game. It's a tough physical battle, and they're just coming off of one. And now they have to go to Green Bay, who's resting. And sometimes we tend to put a little too much stock in what we just saw. Now, the Niners have beaten Green Bay up in the past. We know they did it in conference championship games a couple of years ago. And they did it with physicality and force. But, and we talked about this after they played this year, the most impressive thing about the Packers in that game is that they matched the Niners' physicality. They were not punched in the face and dominated with force. 
they were every bit as physical. And they stood up to the Niners, and they won the game. Well, now they're at home in the postseason, in the cold, healthy as they can possibly be. Niners a little banged up. Jimmy G a little banged up. It's hard to not believe Green Bay will win this game. And, and rightfully so, Aaron Rodgers must win this game. Forget about MVP. He's already won the MVP. Season's over. It's a regular season award. But you got the one seed. Last year, we said, if not now, when? Play it again, Sam. Just to refresh people's memories, by the way, the last time the Packers played the 49ers, as Al mentioned, 2019 postseason, late in January, they lost 37-20. to 20. To Jimmy Garoppolo. It wasn't that close. Jimmy Garoppolo, whose final line of the night was six for eight for 77 yards. Passing, folks. Passing yards. Mostart ran for 220 yards. Well, maybe Aaron Rodgers did all that he could do. 326 yards, Al. 31 for 39. Two touchdowns. Two picks. Whoops. 37-20 beatdown. Show us something. A-Rod, what do you got this time around? Because that was two at home. And you got wrecked. Now, I understand the defense is a little bit different this time. Show us something on the offensive end. Because that 49ers defense last week wasn't too shabby against that Dallas They're offense. much better. They're much better. They're much more physical. They're a much better running team. With their two pronged, their two back attack, uh, thunder and lightning, uh, I, I just think they're a better team than the Niners. They should win the game. There's no discussion, really. They should win the game. And I, th- I think they will win, and I think they will cover. Yeah. I am gonna go. Uh, boy, can Mason Crosby kick two field goals? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, <laughs> let's say uh, thirty-one. 20 Packers. I'll take the under two, 47. Taking the Packers. Let's go to the game that, you know, is not giving getting a lot of credence because it's you know, the one seed that nobody thinks should be that. And the team that everybody from the, I guess, the start of the season, you wouldn't expect to be here. But don't tell Joe Burrow that. And you know, we're hearing the Montana comparisons. We're doing the we're hearing the cool hand Joe comparisons, left and right. Doesn't he remind you of Montana? Well, he's kind of got that. He, he, he kind of looks like Montana. You know, Montana didn't have the big arm. You didn't have the big arm. He stands in the pocket. You know, and they kind of and they kind of Montana. You know, not 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 brag, not a bragger. Just kind of hey, sounds like Montana. Cool like Montana, right? It sounds like you know, he, he belongs. Playing a lot of big games. Boy, this guy. You know, this guy's Joe Montana. Left and right, everywhere you hear. Look, we love Joe B at LSU. We love the way he faced all the SEC, no matter who it was. Bama, then Clemson, and took them all apart. 
and off of you know, rookie year where he got off to a good start and that horrific injury. He's continued to do so despite a hideous offensive line, which still struggles to protect him, as they did against the Raiders, which kept that game close. That was the only reason we picked, you know, I, I picked Cincy by two scores. I think I said 31 20. Uh, they did cover, but that game you know, came down to the end and a goal line stand because the Bengals couldn't put the game away because they couldn't protect the quarterback. The Tennessee pass rush is not as fierce as the Raiders. And yes, they've had the week off. And yes, Derrick Henry will in all probability be back. So I'm more concerned about the Bengals' defense than the Bengals' offensive line. I think if the Bengals' offensive line does a decent job protecting Joe B, they will score plenty of points. He will find his guys deep and often. And when you think about it, in terms of the caliber of the running back, does anybody in the AFC have the kind of full-time combo of skilled players when you include Joe Mixon in the mix from the running back. And I don't mean, you know, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire was on the field, off the field. Uh, I don't mean Devin Singletary, who's up and down, you know, in terms of production, who in the AFC has the kind of in game, every game threat between the running game and the passing game, like the Bengals. I don't think anybody does. And I think if they are able to establish the run against a Titan defense that makes them respect the run, that allows Joe B to use play action, I think they can score big against this team. Tennessee, you would expect, would run the ball. And if Brown is out there, which we expect him to be, he is an immense player for them. Their passing game is not the same without him. I'm picking Cincinnati to win this game outright. I'm picking them to win it 34-31 on a Joe B touchdown late. Wow. Pigeon, he reminds me of Montana. (laughs) Rocking those over $1,000 Red tinted glasses, pink tinted glasses, whatever they were in the post game. Montana could rock those too, I'm sure. With the coat. Here is the biggest question mark for me is how close to the peak Titans are we going to get with Brown coming back, with Derrick Henry coming back? Are they going to pick up right where they left off? Is Derrick Henry going to be on a snap count? Are we not going to see those guys for the whole game? Are they going to be ready to go? Because there was a stretch there where the Titans rattled off wins against the Bills, Chiefs, Colts, Rams, and Saints right in a row. Derrick Henry gets hurt. The season kind of goes up and down. They're trying to find their identity without that. They get enough wins, obviously, to finish in first place still. When they were hot, I mean, it was 
impressive to watch. And it was sometimes baffling to be like, these Titans with Ryan Tannehill? Are we watching the right games? Ah, uh, yes. Ryan Tannehill. That's the other problem with it. What Ryan Tannehill are we going to get? Are we getting the Air Jordan jump into the end zone after rushing in a touchdown down your throat, Ryan Tannehill? Or are we going to get the, dear God, why did you throw that, Ryan Tannehill? Well, let me ask you this. Is Ryan Tannehill simply a more athletic Jimmy G? Probably, yeah. Runs it better. More dangerous on a broken play. Yep. Will escape the rush and make something happen. But he'll throw a bad interception in a heartbeat. Yep. Right away. And it'll come after like a string of 12 consecutive passes where you think, okay, we got something going here. Nope. Remember, he was a wide receiver in college. Now, I like him. So I like Jimmy G. I like his leadership. I like his athleticism. I like how he battles. But again, this is a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. You know, I, I mean, would the Titans be any worse if Kirk Cousins was their quarterback? I don't think so. Probably not. Probably not. Would the Niners be any worse off if Kirk Cousins was their quarterback? Might even be better. Right? Probably not. We've got two legitimate middle-of-the-road quarterbacks. One going into play a one seed. The other is the one seed. <laughs> and half the league would take their right hand to get them on their teams if it meant getting to so where both teams I like got. Cincinnati to cover and win outright. Who do you like? I think it's easy to look at the seasons as a whole for both these teams and give the edge to the Titans for that because of who they beat, how they beat them. And some of the Bengals' losses this year were just brutal. Of course, the Jets losing everybody and their brother, the survivor pool halfway through the season. But losing to the Chargers, losing to the Niners. Those are teams that you should beat. But when Saturday comes, the role that the Bengals have been on with Joe Burrow and what that team's been doing, they got a lot of momentum on their side. They got a win under their belt. And I think there's too many question marks with the Titans as to how they'll look now with a full team that was banged up that you have to take the Bengals. I'm with you. I'll take the points, the three and a half. And they just feel like the hotter team. It wouldn't shock me if the Titans flipped the switch and looked like they did midway through the season. Derrick Henry comes back, A.J. Brown. Oh, my goodness, here come the Titans. And the line is cheap. Yeah. If you, if yeah. you want a favorite, I mean, you can't do any better than a one seed minus three and a half at home. Yeah. Against the wildcard team. Well, I mean, they did well, they won the you know, wildcard team, a division winner. They did win the, the Bengals did win the division at 10 and 7. But, you know, it's, it's cheap. Three and a half. If you like the Titans, you got to, you know, if you think the Titans are a good team, ready to rock, healthy with Brown and Henry, big difference makers at home, one seed and rested, and you love Mike Vrabel, then the three and a half is, I, I think, you know, a sound investment. I agree. If hey, you're high on the Titans, bet it down too. I'm you not, want. Bet the hook down I'm and don't thank us later. This will probably be the weekend where I get them all wrong. 
<laughs> We're doing. But I'm I'm going Joe B. I'm going uh, that dynamic offense. I'm going those game breakers, and I'm going Joe Mixon. I'm going Joe Mixon. Like I said, touchdown late. Bengals pull a rabbit out of the hat. Joe B. gets it done. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Will the investment that the Rams made in their starting quarterback position for seemingly the next decade be worth its weight in gold on Sunday when they travel to Tampa Bay to play the one and only Tom Brady. Three-point favorites are the Bucks, so a pick them basically if you took them to a neutral place. They could have played the game in L.A. Of course, that would have been more Tampa Bay fans. Can't do that. Got to find somewhere in the middle of the country for it. Is this going to be what the Rams paid for, or will it all be for naught? Because Tom Brady stands on the other sideline, I'll tell you, Al, I think Tom Brady missing some of his key pieces against that Rams defense would be the best reason I can give you to take L.A. All you need is one bad drop or a fumble and the bad situation to happen, and it could cost you the game. Now, it's Tom Brady. He could be thrown to somebody from the stands and make them look good. But a part of me really wants to take these points, take the Rams, and take them after they really came together last week to keep that swing going, keep the offense figured out, let the defense do its thing. But it's going to have to be on the arm of Matt Stafford because of that Bucks run defense. Show us something. Show, show the franchise something, please. The owner will take a stroke if they don't win this game. I am going to do something that I do as well, if not better than anybody who talks about this. I am going to once again shovel dirt on Tom Brady just because I love to do it. They're done. This is it. It's over. They're not as good as the Rams. You could gronk me till I'm all gronked up. They're simply not as good. Everybody comes back the next year and says, let's run it back. I said this to you before. Chief said it. Bring everybody back. Resign everybody. How long has it been since somebody repeated? Do you remember who it was? Do you remember when it was? Same quarterback. Different team. They ran it back. Downtown Brown is gone. Good riddance, the whack job. We don't know if Ferret's playing. Uh, Godwin is out. We don't know if their star right tackle is playing. Their defense, the defensive line is a little banged up. A little banged up in the secondary. Rams are healthy. Rams are ready. I like the way their boy genius eased the quarterback into the game. He didn't force him with nonstop bombs away. 
a lot of play action, run the football, establish the run with their two running backs. Now that Cam I am Akers is back. And Sonny and Cher Michelle. They ran the ball effectively, play action. You would think that Odell Beckham Jr. caught 10 passes for 250 yards and four touchdowns. You know, four for 52. And his first, that's right, folks, the great OBJ, his first postseason touchdown catch. But to his credit, he's minded his P's and Q's. He's realized, finally, this is the last chance hotel for him. And he's played quality football. He's caught everything thrown his way. He hasn't mouthed off. He hasn't made a fool of himself for his teammates or his coach. And he's been not an ass, but an asset. Been a long time since we could say that about OBJ. They have the wide receiver, the best year of any wide receiver in all of football, in Cooper Cup. They've got their star quarterback. If he doesn't throw this game away, They'll win this game, and they may win it going away. The Ram defensive line is the key to the game. When I was growing up, mostly before you were born, and some of which you know the names, maybe you saw a few play when you were a young man. I should say young boy. But I grew up, the three best defensive tackles of all time, most dominant that I ever saw, Bob Lilly, Dallas Cowboys, Merlin Olsen, Los Angeles Rams, Mean Joe Green, Pittsburgh Steelers. Is Aaron Donald ready to step into that rarefied air and join that? Yes, they've got these other guys. They've got your guy from Denver. They've got the star cornerback who never shuts up and gets in fights with his own teammates. But Aaron Donald must wreak havoc in this game. Don't have to have all the sacks. Leave those to your guy from Denver. He's the pass rusher. He's the defensive end. Leave that uh, you know, to Floyd. Aaron Donald must dominate. Dominate. Be a wrecking ball. Require double teams to open it up for other guys and stuff the run. Because if they can't run, and I don't think they will be able to, they're done. I don't believe Brady can throw the ball 45 times against them and beat him. I just don't believe it. It can't happen. It can't happen again. Not again. <laughs> Play that from the rooftops too. How many times have we the had to say that? The quarterback must go down. Yeah. That's the happen. He must eventually. go down. As L. Davis would say, as much as the referees will permit it, he must go down hot. Brady gets picked off twice. The Rams stuff the run. They're able to run. Cooper Cup, OBJ, Higby. This will be the one route of the weekend. Rams, 31. Tampa Tom, 13. Woo! I like it. My shovel is once again out and digging dirt and tossing it on the goat. Get out, goat. Get out. I will take the three points as well. And that leaves us with Bills at Chiefs. The game everybody has been waiting for. The game everybody in the AFC has wanted all year long. You could talk about this till you're blue in the face. 
how good Josh Allen is, if he's for real, is Patrick Mahomes back to vintage Patrick Mahomes. And it's fun to use that word for a guy that's been in the league for only a handful of years. Vintage already. How will the Chiefs offense handle the Bills defense with their trickeries and their little underhanded toss plays at the goal line that always seem to work? Will Josh Allen's toes be too cold? How about that being a storyline last week? And he threw for five touchdowns. I, whatever he did to warm up his feet, I guess worked wonders because it didn't look like his toesy woesies were too cold in that Buffalo air. There's storylines aplenty, and they can never end. The unfortunate thing for me is that I think the Chiefs have figured it out of late. And as much as I will hate, hate the likes of Jeff Schwartz and, of course, your boy Nick Wright tweeting throughout that game, and especially if they win, just incessant sarcasm and sass. Like, this is the best team that's ever played football in the league where we pay for play, okay? Until I see it and believe it, I'm going to have to go Kansas City at home against Josh Allen, but I am pulling for them harder than one can imagine for several reasons. One, bring a Broncos fan. Why the hell would you root for the Chiefs? Jesus, have some pride in yourself. But there's a lot. I think it's a lot better if the Bills win this game in general than it would be for the Chiefs to, if that's even a storyline you could come up with. I think the offense has it figured out and we'll have to, I just have to see it to believe it with Josh Allen in a spot like this. I think he's completely capable. I think the bills defense is capable of figuring out those trick plays, stopping the deep pass. We've seen it happen this season. There's been blueprints for it, but it's, it's one of those things where I just have to go with what usually happens and what's happened in the past is usually this is a game that the chiefs win. When it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs, Nick Wright, who you know I love dearly, has taken obnoxious and arrogance to a level that I thought only I could achieve. <laughs> Syracuse, we're talking. The Cardinals. Or the Lakers. Yeah, well, not of late. Or the Ravens. I, I'm hoping that this is going to be a great game. It has the chance to be a great game. What I loved about what they did against the Patriots was I have said all year long, if the bills are going to be really good, they need to find a way to run the football. And I don't mean with Josh Allen running for hundred yards. When my Ravens are incredibly effective, it's not just Lamar Jackson running the ball. It's, and more so in the past because you know they lost their, all their running backs this, this year. It's Lamar Jackson being part of, an incredibly impressive running game with Dobbins, with Gus the Bus Edwards. Now, I'm not saying the Bills need to do that, but when Devin Singletary is going to rush for 85 yards, that's a tremendous scenario for them. Because when you combine that with what Josh, oh my gosh, can do, both planned and unplanned, both under pressure and designed runs, then you've got a running game. And you've got a running game that will keep the Chiefs defense off balance 
and keep the Chiefs defense on the field, which is where you want them. You don't want to score quick if you're Buffalo. You want to control the game like they did against the Patriots. Not that they needed to keep the Patriots offense off the field, but the point was they were on the field the whole game. They scored every time they had the ball. They're not going to do that on the Chiefs, against the Chiefs. They're not going to score every time they have the ball. But they need to score as many times as possible when they have the ball and hold the ball as long as possible. Because, oh, by the way, 10 minutes and 51 seconds, was that the time frame for 42 points for the Chiefs? Yes, it was against the Pittsburgh team. They had no business being in the postseason. But we've seen them do that to everybody. They have the ability to do that. Whether Clyde Edwards aware is back or it's McKinnon, who played incredibly well out of nowhere. And they ran the ball well against, granted, the hideous Steelers. Can I say the hideous Steelers enough? The point is the Bills are playing now the way they need to play to win at the championship level. You still must do both. I firmly believe you cannot continue on a run in the postseason against quality competition, having only one element to your offense. So if the Bills can continue to run the ball and Josh Allen doesn't make some of those mindless Josh Allen mistakes, the laterals in the open field, the turn into turnovers, the bad interceptions, they'll win. Do I think that will be the case? No. I still like Andy Reid. I still like the Chiefs. They found it. It's all working. The Bills' defense is good. I don't think it's great. A lot of people think it's great. They could prove me wrong. I hope they do. I'd like to see the Bills win. I think it would be great for the league if the Bills win because the Chiefs aren't going anywhere. They have Patrick Mahomes. Right. And that bevy of offensive players. It's not like the Chiefs are going to lose and suddenly they're not going to be a championship contender. We need the Bills to keep improving. We need it for Buffalo. We need New York's team. We need another guy jumping through a table and breaking his leg in Bills' mouth. All that being said, Chiefs 34, Bills 24, Chiefs. Bengals, Rams, Packers. I like it. And they're not spreads that are too worrisome. Two games, you're getting points. Chiefs just got to win by two. The only one you have to sweat out is if Green Bay wins by six and you're giving Mason Crosby a mulligan for an extra point. Perfect. Are you surprised? At the Chiefs line. I think because of how Buffalo closed their season, similar to the Bengals, really just changing the narrative of what people had for them. Because that loss to the Patriots was going to stink for a long time in the the weather bowl. In the wind? 14-10. Then you lose to Tom Brady by six. Okay. Now, they didn't beat great teams to end the season. Panthers, Patriots, Falcons, and Jets. Remember, they haven't won a close game yet. Right. All year long. 
Right. 31-34 to the Titans, 26-16 to the Steelers, 9-6 to the Jags, and they got blown off the field by the Colts. Those frauds, the Colts. If they're three quarters what they were last week, and they do that one game where you think, my God, Josh Allen is an MVP candidate, and look how great that defense is. That's all we're asking for in a game like this, because then it's a coin flip. It's the special teams miscues. It's the Patrick Mahomes interception that gets tipped and picked. Maybe not necessarily his fault sometimes. Same for Josh Allen. That's the type of game I think it's going to be. Let's remember in a close game, Harrison Butker, who was pretty solid, but for some reason does struggle with extra points. Bill's kicker missed two of them last week. First, I believe the first two he's missed all year. I believe. Not positive. I think, with the, I think it was the first two he missed all year. So, kicking game, a little shaky. Butker's got the big leg, but at times he's a little, little wild. And like I said, missed two extra points in one game. Tough to not keep that in the back of your mind. Just in case it's tight. But... I think the Chiefs cover. I think the Chiefs roll on. Uh, and I will be disappointed because I will have to watch and listen to Nick Wright Monday morning. Uh. Just pontificate uh, and continue to boast. Remembering, however, that he did pick them to go 20-0. and 0. So, not this some solace. Some solace. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, for my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, I am Alvinado, a.k.a. Alpha White Place. He's the new reporter. I'm the old reporter. Enjoy your NFL conference semifinals. Have a great and safe sports weekend. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.